0: house
1: Welcome to the Pop Culture Review podcast. This is Caroline. This is
2: Paul. And this is Mike. Tonight, we're looking back at the week that was for the week of February 12th to the 18th of 2023.
1: You guys, it was Super Bowl week.
2: Were you all (laughs) jealous? I didn't watch a stitch of it, actually. That's
1: like the
0: first in years that I didn't watch any little bit of it.
1: That's so crazy. Well, I was totally drawn in by the whole Kelsey brothers, Mama Kelsey and all of her chiefs slash eagles ensembles. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. What do you think, Mike? Were you did, I, I mean, first of all, are you a big football fan? Do you watch all the time?
2: Big fan of the Giants. If the Giants aren't playing, I don't really care that much. Except for, so this year, I don't like the Eagles. I don't like the Cowboys. They are the two main rivals to the Giants in the Eastern Division. And so I root for anyone other than those teams. <laughs> so I was actively repping the Chiefs and and rooting for the Chiefs this week. Plus, Patrick Mahomes, who is the uh, Chiefs quarterback, is a big Mets fan. And I am a big New York Mets fan who I do actively watch all the time. Yeah, I was firmly in the Chiefs corner. I was very happy about their win. Uh, Like other people, like all pop culture enthusiasts, I'm watching the Super Bowl mainly for the commercials
1: yeah there were some good ones this year i i'm a super soft heart so you know i'm gonna love the ones where there was like a montage of kids being so sweet and hugging on each other and everything and the good natured be kind to one another message loved i also loved the duncan ad with ben affleck and jennifer lopez that was funny i thought it was silly and cute to see him like i think
2: jennifer makes that commercial ben ben doing looks like i mean honestly based on pictures of Ben Affleck, really, he's just trying to get the discount by working at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> right. So it's J Lo who actually makes that commercial really funny. Is this where you go every oh, day? Oh, She like
1: pulls up in the drive-through and she's like, "Is this where you go when you say you go to work?" Like, it's <laughs> like it's funny because she's like, "What are you? What are you doing in there?" Like, it was cute. It was funny. I give him credit for that one, it, and it's stuck in my brain. So that's hard to do with these commercials.
2: There are a couple of great ones, uh, like you said, but there are a couple of stinkers though too. I, so that he gets us the Jesus campaign that everyone is obsessed right. with talking about. They had one of my favorites also was the little babies, right? Like uh, Love Like a Child, I think was the kind of name of it. And it was pictures of cute babies hugging each other and being sweet. They also ran another commercial called Love Your Enemies. This one did not sit well for me. It was just images of our worst moments of the last few years. And people
1: screaming at each other. It was it Yeah, was just still photos not, of literally
2: nice the, the worst American humanity moments of the last few years. I don't think we need to be reminded of that. I don't know that a Super Bowl. And, and the point is, you see all these bad things? Rise above it and love your neighbors. But that is not what you're getting from, from yeah. that commercial.
1: It's too soon for those images. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see people screaming in each other's faces. Like, no, 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 no. That It's, it's, it's not the right time.
2: Another stinker for me? was the binky dad. This was a Kia car commercial. Mm. Uh, Dad drives all over God's green earth. (laughs) Jesus gets us uh, to (laughs) retrieve his father to retrieve his baby's binky. And he finally gets back and everyone is applauding him and he's this hero for doing a basic job of a parent and it's the wrong binky. So he has to go back and do it all over again. I hate this bullshit. Why are we applauding this loser who doesn't know his basic (laughs) fucking child's basic color choice on his binky my lord you should know your kid's preferred binky what are you doing get off their ass and be a uh -uh. fucking father
1: well it seems out of step with the times like it seems like those types of jokes of like oh dads don't know how to change a diaper dads don't know like you know the pacifier whatever like come on like that that feels it feels antiquated like he didn't even smack his
2: child when it cried whoa (laughs)
1: Hey. 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 I mean, what are we doing?
2: This is 2023. Why are we celebrating mediocrity? Boy. Jesus, it, dry, it drove me crazy. It bothered me. That commercial stayed with me in the most negative way. It's literally been bothering me for a week now. Which maybe <laughs> I have too much time on my hands, which is not true. But it's really been bothering me. The antiquated stereotypes. It feels like something right out of like the late 80s that you would get. I don't. Know, it drove me. It drove me crazy.
0: How many times do you suppose Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul have been pitched? a Breaking Bad reunion commercial. And why do you suppose they picked some chip I've never heard of?
2: Well, Popcorners are delicious. I'm actually a big fan of Popcorners. Uh, They are light. Uh, They come in very delicious flavors. You can eat like a whole bag and not feel bad about yourself. I mean, you probably should feel bad about yourself, but you don't.
1: Popcorners, if you want to sponsor us, feel free. Reach out.
2: It's Even though, because we're covering Your Honor, where Cranston this season is sporting just epic beards. So it was really startling seeing him in, like, the shaved head, Walter White, uh, like, callback. I I think that actually made me like the commercial more. I love Breaking Bad. I love these two together. I was super happy for the nostalgia kick to see them back. I didn't care what the product was, truly.
0: If you check out cranston's uh instagram you can find uh the makeup process to get him back into walter white mode and putting on like the bald cap and blending it all in and pretty cool because he had post both he and aaron paul had posted the commercial a few days before the super bowl so you could check it then
2: How do you guys feel about them releasing all of the commercials before the Super Bowl? You could basically watch the entirety of every Super Bowl commercial days, if not weeks, before the actual Super Bowl airs.
1: For me, because I enjoy the commercials so much and that's what I'm watching for, I don't want to, like, unwrap the package before my birthday. And so I feel like, I don't know. I don't really need to see those in advance. I appreciate that they replay them a lot quite a bit afterwards um so i don't know i don't really need them to do that i understand they're doing it to you know start to pump up the 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 excitement for it i would be fine with letting them have the reveal be during the super bowl
0: i mean it seems like that should be the case but with time skip technology or whatever it is it at least gives people another venue to see the commercial now releasing it ahead of time maybe that is jumping the gun but like say you really liked that nissan 300z commercial with barbie from that one super bowl all those years ago you never got to see it again they played it during the super bowl and like that was it except for later much later when they said remember these are the best commercials of all time and they show that one as one of them, so maybe they're trying to not do that again.
2: I don't know. I, you're probably right, and I'm sure there's all sorts of data that the that the uh, marketing companies have that show this really increases traffic and and interest and all that. But I, Caroline, I think you said it perfectly. It's unwrapping the prison early. The, the reason so many people watch the Super Bowl, they may not watch football at all, but it's the event status of the commercials. People are paying. Like the Mets bought a commercial on, uh, for the local airtime. It was a seven million dollar. Commercial for thirty seconds of airtime. I'm a Mets fan. I was fucking jazzed to see this commercial during the Super Bowl. I, I didn't want to watch it beforehand. I wanted to watch it in context during the event. It's like it's like releasing the award winners of the Grammys or the Tonys or the Oscars or the Emmys beforehand. Why would you ever watch the thing? No, make me wait. Have <laughs> let, let me have some suspense. You know, I'll go to the bathroom during the game so I could be there for the commercials. <laughs> it's the well, one time of year you get that.
1: At least fifty percent of the entire runtime feels like it's commercials. So it feels like, why would you go ahead and like, you know, send it all out? Like, nah, give us a chance. Plus I kind of like the spontaneous feel of the commercials in, in the Bowl because, you know, all of a sudden a commercial will come on. You're like, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet because we don't watch commercials anymore. Right. There's actually something that's novel about them again, to be able to watch them. And I do kind of want to watch it in the flow of the show. There's something to yeah,
2: that. And there's something it's like it's like the way an album is ordered. You know, they like thought went into the way you know, the track like the listing of an album. Yeah, so there's like a flow of all right, Jesus, he gets us. Ooh, <laughs> Jesus, ooh, he gets uh, us. Maya Rudolph and Eminem's. <laughs> oh, I by the way, I hated that commercial. Oh, I'm I did so too. so sick of that entire air campaign. I'm so happy it's over. I, I pray it's over. The manyas clam thing. I, so they've weird. been they've been jamming these commercials down the last few weeks, down our throat on all the programming that I've been unfortunate to have to watch commercials I was so sick of it by the time I got to the Super Bowl but then you get right into you know clueless you got you know Alicia Silverstone back on TV again
1: they looked great I thought all of the all of the clueless people that they had in the in the actual ad looked awesome but can I ask you to a question?
2: What was that commercial for? No idea. No idea, right? I actually had to look it up before we started recording because I was sitting here thinking, I have no idea what that commercial was for. It was for a company called Rakuten. Do you know what that company Rakuten is? No.
1: It's a thing where they give you money back for doing something. Okay,
2: well, you do know. Well, you're you're included (laughs) to the pulse of it. I had to Google what Rakuten was. This is a multi-step thing to remember this company. You
1: want to know why, though? Only because, actually, their previous ads had been very effective with me because they had the ad was you they would give you money if you could pronounce the name of the company correctly. And so people would come up and all they would do is say the name of the company over and over and over again in the ad because people were trying to say it right to get the money. So it was actually very effective to me like and I remember that from probably several years ago.
0: So this is a drug front.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the deal. When you bring back people like Alicia Silverstone and she's wearing the clueless outfit I'm sorry the majority of us is looking are looking at her from the tip of her head to, the, to her little toes to see how she aged. I'm looking at her whole body and her face and her hair and her clothes. I didn't hear a word she said.
2: I, uh, <laughs> me either. Because uh, I just wanted to see
1: what she still looked like after all these years.
2: I think she said an as if. I, I think she threw it an as <laughs> if in there. But it was the nostalgia punch of it, though. I mean, it's on my favorites list. I have a list of uh, favorites and hated, and it's on here, and I and I can't tell you what the commercial was for. I literally had to look it up. I was going through it. I was like, oh, I like that Clueless commercial. Could not tell you what it was for. <laughs> (laughs) That's probably bad marketing. That's That's probably a a fail in the marketing. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the last one, and you guys should go watch this commercial because I found it super entertaining and I can identify with it. It's the Bud Light on hold commercial. The premise of the commercial is this woman, either a partner or wife, is on hold and the hold music is playing music and she's on speakerphone and she's just sitting on the couch and then her guy comes in and he's dancing around to the music because it's like one of those upbeat like... A hold music songs and he's dancing around he's got a bud light he gives her a bud light they get up they're just dancing around the apartment while she holds her phone on hold it was very light it was fun it was who hasn't been stuck on hold and having to listen to music
1: it's what you wish your partner would do during those types of things i wish they would bring me a beer and dance around to make the time go by faster
2: yeah so big fan of that one uh i thought that was really successful i missed the Clydesdales there were no Clydesdales this year yeah,
1: that was sad that's a, was
2: a, a loss. Yeah, I rely on Budweiser to really, you know, hit the heartstrings, um, <laughs> you know. So, But Clyde, Clydesdales brought me no beer this Super Bowl.
1: Too bad.
2: Um, also, T-Mobile brought out John Travolta in addition to the uh, Scrubs Boys, uh, Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who have been doing T-Mobile commercials for a while now. They added John Travolta to do a little Summer Eleven remix uh, for their ad, which was called Neighborly. So go check that one out if you just want to see John Travolta embracing his baldness. Looks, <laughs> looking great, I thought. But he had a beard, and a bald head, just singing, uh, singing "Summer Love." His full
1: summer summer nights move, where he like puts his hand up into the air at the end, which was like, "Woo, he's gonna do it! Is he gonna do it? He did it!"
0: John needs a win couldn't quite hit the
1: oh, couldn't
2: shit. quite get that there couldn't couldn't quite get there but he but it but it, it worked for me though it goes in the favorites column so
1: <laughs> that's supposed to be a little danny zuko action there that you're just doing whatever that, that was, was what i
2: was just doing yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. so okay. but yeah so but binky dad my and Yaz, uh, he gets us love your neighbors you could suck it you guys were horrible and
1: Hey, what came on right after the Super Bowl was an interesting show called Next Level Chef. This one, it was the season two premiere. It's on Thursdays on Fox. Now, I had never seen this show at all, but I did watch that episode because it was right on after the Super Bowl. It sucked me in. I ended up going back and watching all of season one, which you know i i like cooking shows i like chopped i like top chef i like all that kind of stuff this one has a little bit of a different twist to it that it, it you know it has the time component of having to cook within a certain period of time but this whole like ingredient grab thing super interesting twist it was like paul i know you haven't seen it right
0: uh no i've i don't watch cooking shows Under my own power.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, so there was like a platform of ingredients. And if you were in the top level of the kitchen, you had like first grabs of the ingredients. But then the platform like descends and it doesn't refill. So whatever gets taken from the top level is gone and it will go to the middle level kitchen. Then they can all grab ingredients and then to the bottom level. And as you imagine, if you're in the bottom level, you got like graham crackers and paste, you know, as like your ingredients. And it was not good for those people. And their levels of kitchen were all like uh outfitted depending on what level they were on. So like if you were in the basement level, you literally had a a pot that was like misshapen to make your food in. <laughs> Whereas if you're in the top one, you had like smokers and foaming things and just all that like highest level everything. So it was it was a cool show because there was a lot of different elements that, you know, could go your way or could go like terribly wrong. So I enjoyed it a lot. I would recommend it to people, especially there's already the season two out, so you can go back and catch season one. Mike, did you happen to watch... Next Level Chef.
2: I I did. So here's the thing. This is the beauty of the after show spot. Uh, I always use This Is Us as a great example of it. I never watched This Is Us. I know you guys covered it. I I listened to your podcast, but I never watched the show, except for the one time it was the after show after the Super Bowl. I stayed. I was interested. I was the right, you know, it sucked me in. It was the episode where the toaster oven episode of This Is Us, a very important episode. Not
1: the toaster oven.
2: What is it? Was it the crockpot? It was the, the crockpot. Crock it was the crockpot episode it's, it's, of This Is, is Us. It's very
1: important. You're talking yeah. to two This Is Us watchers. You, the crock pot, like, we'll never use a Croc- crock pot again. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. So I was like, Oh, I get why people watch the show, but so it's an important time slot to get that after. And next level chef is a great example of it. This is the season two premiere. I had no idea there was a season one of the show. And I love Gordon Ramsay. I, I was a Hell's Kitchen devotee from day one. I beg, I dreamed that he calls me a fucking donkey one day. I, I want it. I want, you want it so him to bad.
1: Put the, put the bread on the sides of your ears and say, What are you? Say it. You're an idiot sandwich. That's what you're supposed to say. I'm an oh. idiot sandwich.
2: I love it. I mean, uh, uh, Kitchen Nightmare. God, the amount of places he's done in New York, uh, just it, it tickles me. I love Gordon Ramsay. And I didn't even know this show existed. So this is a season two premiere? What? Yeah, no, you gotta go back and watch season one. I love the premise of it. I like cooking shows. I like comp- competitive cooking shows.
1: If I don't you're like- a Chopped watcher, then you'll definitely recognize one of the other judges, Richard Blaze, who is on, and he was like a contestant on Chopped for many many different seasons different there for different reasons but now he's one of the judges and uh it was nice to see his face back and funny to like see him being in that mentor role the coolest part of the prize paul since you didn't watch they would end up the winner got a year's mentorship from all three judges Hmm. that is like Amazing. Plus, like two and two hundred fifty
2: thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah,
1: but but bigger than anything. I mean, their their careers were going to be guided. And what was the other interesting factor about this one was? No, Mike. I know you do watch cooking shows. You and I are very accustomed to having professional chefs versus home chefs. Super common. We see that all the time. Some grandma or somebody who's just like you know wows their neighbors every week with amazing food. But this one had social media chefs, which are essentially like. The TikTok people who, like, combine ingredients and make things for just these little, you know, 30-second video kind of things, that was a fascinating element because some of those people had no idea what ingredients were outside of, say, a grocery store, right? Like, they've only seen ginger, like, maybe in a jar or something, right? So, like, when a root just comes up on the thing, they're like, what is this? Because they're not – they're neither home chefs nor pro chefs, so they're just really – freaking winging it they were they were holding their own though it was fascinating
2: i think another distinction of the show is they the judges gordon blaze and the other judge whose name i'm blanking on unfortunately arrington her last name was arrington they give a lot of assistance to the chefs, like a lot. Normally you see these cont- these contests and uh, home cook, social media chef or professional chef, you're on your own to figure it out. Maybe another contestant on the show will help you. We saw in, in this episode and, and in the first season especially, there are a, a, there's a ton of assistants, like they're whisking. They like were, the, they
1: were like, like, like pouring butter onto like things like and actively adding helping them, get, yeah. telling them
2: not only how to make things, but actively helping them make things. It, it's a wild it's a wild take. Uh, it's it's interesting but
1: i think kind of but i think kind of nicer because it wasn't like judges behind a table like the peanut gallery just saying random shit like you need to hurry up blah 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 like this was like no they were standing right next to you and they were like you need to turn the heat up higher you need to adjust this sauce you need to do this and in that i think it really played up the mentorship or like the apprentice nature of the whole thing that I think as a watcher, actually, this is where I've learned, like, anything. I would not know about umami. My mom does not teach me about umami. I didn't know this stuff except for TV. So I appreciate it. I'm learning. Who's, I'm who's umami? Who's umami? Who's umami? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Another show premiered this week, actually. I watched it because Tom wanted to watch it. Animal Control, the new Joel McHale comedy oh, premiered this week.
1: Oh, the big breath. Okay. So, so I, I've said before I on this concerns. podcast and otherwise,
2: I don't like sitcoms. It's not that I don't like them. I no longer have the patience for, for sitcoms. That being said, this was... Fine. If you like Joel McHale, this is the show for you. It's Joel McHale doing Joel McHale things. Maybe even a little more mailed in than he usually is. But if you like Joel McHale, you're going to like this show. If you like workplace comedies, you're probably going to like this show. If you like... Seeing animals, and this is where my son's interest comes in. You're gonna like this show. The first episode featured ostriches, a weasel, some hijinks. A house almost gets burned down trying to capture a weasel in the net. Yeah, it's hijinksy. It's there's a there's a guy on it who looks like he's trying to be a young uh, Andy Samberg. It's it's gonna feel very familiar to you, workplace comedy wise. Sounds like
0: Abbott Elementary, but with animals but instead of children.
2: Uh, It's Abbott Elementary, but not nearly as funny. And with Joel McHale.
1: So, I yeah. I, very much. As a teacher, I feel like they nailed
2: it. Yeah, and you know, maybe they're nailing the animal control world and I'm just out of touch uh, of the of what that world is like and maybe they are nailing it. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, with the I, there was an important discussion of do we record the series going forward and Tom chose yes, which I knew he was going to because again, animals. But I don't know how much we're actively going to continue watching the show. Uh, I think maybe we'll give it one more to see if it settles in because, you know, first episodes could be rough. You got to usually give it. I like to usually give in episode two just to see if it settled in after the pilot but yeah, i don't know about this one i don't know
0: animal control in texas is uh let's see scraping ant- uh, like dogs and armadillos off the side of the road oh God. and uh not getting snakes like if you call them and there's a snake <laughs>
1: not getting snakes. yeah
0: they will tell you call a snake guy
1: like a reptile not dude.
0: animal control yeah
1: and if you and if you have like a baby squirrel also no you have to call the squirrel people yeah it is there's a baby squirrel I don't, place though i don't think it's a fun <laughs> oh no i already told you if i worked for animal <laughs> control i'd do the same thing every day i come back every day with an empty truck and i'd say i didn't find any
0: <laughs> right every no, day no, no roaming dogs no feral any. cats i didn't
1: find any that needed controlling
0: like in, in Texas, we have good. Uh, we have what the feral hogs that that run around. Yeah. They are not in charge of that apparently. No. They uh, not with that. No, so I don't know well, what. Well, in it is Seattle,
2: in in Seattle, animal control apparently that is they, they get called when a person dies and there's a dog in a house. Animal control is called oh, wow. if there is an illegal ostrich farm. They are called. By the way, that will run you a six hundred dollar ticket in uh seattle animal control apparently uh if you have a, if you're running an illegal ostrich farm check it out if you like any of those three things that i said if you're really into workplace comedies or you're really into Joel McHale, or you're really into animals on tv in in situational it reminds comedies. me that
0: remember when seth McFarlane was on uh on S N L several years ago and he was pitching the he was making fun of the new shows that were coming out and there was the one that he called Monkey Hospital. Yes. <laughs> monkey on the I don't remember what the show was called, but it was called he called it Monkey Hospital and it sounds exactly like what we're talking about. Yeah, it's well, like the spin off to that.
1: That's the one where he did elementary. Everybody kept calling it, ele- I get, it was it's elementary, but I, he kept saying it all funky.
0: Or there's one called Go On, but he called it Goon. Goon.
1: <laughs> He's like, has anyone ever seen Goon? And they're like, it's Go On.
0: He did that great Ryan Lochte bit. <laughs> yes, that's funny. That's super
1: funny. Oh, man. All right, listen, guys. So while I may not be into animal control, I am big into Architectural Digest and...
2: We're finally getting that soundboard going, and I love it.
1: And home tours. Okay, people. So- <laughs> okay, so Architectural Digest is doing these amazing little mini clips. And I've been watching them on YouTube. 15, 20 minutes max. Awesome celebrity homes, like getting a chance to go in. I watched one about Aaron Paul with his Idaho house. I watched one with Jared Padalecki with his Austin home. Lots of great, cool insider things that you get to see. First of all, every celebrity has a sauna. Everyone, I don't. Apparently, all of us are living with toxins like fools. We should be out there sweating our toxins out. But it was it was a really cool glimpse because it was really short, and you got a chance to kind of like get a sense of people, Kirsten. And Dunst is a weirdo. That whole thing was so, so, so freaking strange. Can I ask you, a question?
2: did Michael Imperioli do an episode oh, of this show? Dude, <laughs> that guy,
0: he, he has loud absence of
1: taste supposedly it was his wife though that did it and so i hate to be like that really because we do a wonderful podcast with beth Kushnick for decorating the set hollywood to your home when we talk with her one of the biggest things that she has talked to us about is having a good editor eye and saying like okay so just because i like this color or just because i like this bust in the case of (laughs) his house i should have one bust this dude had busts in, in front every of bus bust in front of buses he had like, he had
0: like he had gigantic artwork, and then you'd have a bust in front of that, and then you'd have something else in front of that.
1: the entire artwork would be hanging in front of an open bookcase. He had to actually mm. try to pull the artwork like pull it away from the bookcase to even just try to get a book out like it was so silly and it was
0: all super loud colors and and that was the only way that it matched actually was that the that the colors were were so there
1: that royal blue vibrant and, and loud yeah.
0: Actually, I I'm, I found this thinking Caroline might like it because it was David Harbour and Lily Allen's place together. I guess she moved into his place and he had already done it once as a bachelor pad. So this was like she and her kids moved in. And so it was kind of adapted to their coupledom with him being stepdad. In their backyard, he had two huts. One was the sauna hut and one was the cold, what what do they call it? Plunge or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, but they were right next to each other. So you could do that and, and then.
1: They kind of look like outhouses. But, oh, yeah. But like it, for I a mean. a
2: the system kind of thing.
1: Yeah. 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 Which every single celebrity had that. I mean, Aaron Paul would lay in his river and do the cold plunge and then run into the sauna. But.
0: Oh, yeah. Who had the. Was it Gwyneth Paltrow that had the. Oh, yeah. House sized. That was
1: amazing. She <laughs> has area. She has a spa room that is literally the size of my entire downstairs. And it's like you just walk in and it's like the entire room is a spa. So there was like a plunge pool and a sauna and a shower. Multiple and showers just everything. around like a
0: bathhouse. Yeah.
1: I mean, I would say it was like aspirational for, for some of us. And then also just kind of, you know, sexy decorating porn. Like I'm just like I love the organization some people had or I loved the various choices that they made, especially my God, the amount of them that look like. They practically lived in a resort. Was like wow, like some were remarkable. like remarkable. Some were
0: like, I spend the money I earn on this, and I want it to be perfect. Other people mm-hmm. are like. Uh, do you remember uh, Meet the Parents when when uh, the the ex boyfriend is like these are reclaimed timbers from a seaman's chapel off the coast of Nantucket? Remember that yeah, bit? Owen Wilson, Your yeah. Owen
2: Wilson is so good; it's pretty spot on. <laughs> and, and, I'm like right there with it.
0: And that that is how some of these people sound. I think one the Paltrow's house or Mandy Moore's house was like like the same thing. It's all reclaimed. Everything's really. Well, I didn't buy anything with Aaron new. Aaron Paul.
1: Aaron Paul was the funniest thing of that whole thing. Was the sauna was made from a tree that they drug from the bottom of a lake... Just to yeah. prove to us they didn't cut any trees down, which I was like, OK, I like applaud your and was you know, it like reusable. three barns
0: like sewn yes, together from moved.
1: Wisconsin <laughs> that they moved from Wisconsin to Idaho. Yeah, I mean, it was wild. But again, cool, like
0: it was an awesome place Things that
1: people don't think about. And it was just I don't know. I think it's really fun for like 15 minutes. If you just if you're getting ready in the morning, you're sick of watching like the Today Show. You don't want to see, you know, whatever the football scores from last night or what the weather is or whatever crap you don't want to see that turn on this for 15 minutes while you're putting your shoes on brushing your hair whatever is one of those things where it just made me be like rad like that house was so cool or boy that person's a fucking freak <laughs> and like their their style is so wild compared to my own yeah like I this all on. tracks yeah. yeah
2: this all this all tracks because i'm listening to a comedy podcast this week but completely non sequitur someone made a comment of It's like a tour through Michael Imperioli's tackless mishmash of decorated home. It was like a real rag and it was so out of left field. I was like, how would they know? But it was, but now I understand. And now I understand. And I, I I found it funny without the context of it, but now it makes it sound even funnier. Okay. Um, Well, that's
1: amazing. And I love that.
0: There was also a pretty universal aspect of if it was a couple that the husband would speak over the wife. All the
2: time. Oh, that's not a great look. Were they all binky dads? Was this, was this, was this? <laughs> some of the wives, are like
0: like David Harbour and Lily Allen, they're, they're equally famous in some ways. Maybe David Harbour's a little more famous these days, but, I mean, she's not unfamous. Or John Stamos and his wife. His wife is also an actress, but much, much, much younger than he is.
1: She was like 12.
0: What was the cool thing about their place? They had a Disneyland Disney, D, right?
1: They had the entire Disneyland sign, but he only put up the D. had the rest in storage. Oh, but no, that's, a 19, a, that's subliminal.
2: He only puts up the D. It
1: was a 19-foot-tall D in his backyard with the... You know, uh Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs runaway mine car Disney ride. He has Grumpy's car like it's just <laughs> in his backyard. So it's like one of the roller coaster ride cars and like they were just sitting in it chitting chatting with the AD like cameraman. But yeah, and like Elvis's jumpsuit and like loads of other they had a can-can girl from Small World. They had all this stuff in their house. It was wild. But cool. Like, that's stuff you don't see.
0: Best couple, though, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife. They live in a windmill. And it is completely unassuming. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And except for the fact that they live in a windmill, you wouldn't know that this is Iron Man.
2: You know, it it, it was cool. How very Dr. Doolittle of him.
1: Yeah, and but yeah, and it had like really neat aspects to it. It Kind of had lighthouse type features. So if you imagine like that spiral staircase that you'd expect in like a lighthouse, it had like that kind of stuff with like little room, like for her office and stuff that was upstairs. It was cool. It was cool. They
0: had a junk room, and they were
1: like, they they were so funny. They opened the door (laughs) to the junk room though, that was piled high with just like obviously shit that didn't work with like what they were trying to make the rest of the house look like. So that, but but cool of them for showing that they were the most like down to earth like oh, people yeah. i'd like to have dinner with they seemed super nice and relaxed like they were not there to wow ad like other people were like they had spit polished their buttholes for this you know and right. this was like robert Downey jr was like take me as i am baby <laughs> like this is it
0: and but he had like a what is it, like a, a zombie yard art or something Oh yes
1: they had okay do you know this is so funny do you know how they have those specifically mike you've seen this up north where it's usually a canadian goose plastic canadian goose out front but the wings when the wind blow makes it look like they're flapping Yeah, yeah, they,
2: like, spin around. Sure, sure.
1: Imagine, though, if that was a zombie and the arms were going as if it was coming for you. That was their little silly yard art. And it was just a dinky little thing. Like, it was silly. But they were, like, laughing about it. Like, they didn't, like... Put it away and be like, Oh, that's not, you know, sophisticated enough for architectural digest. They were like, This is our zombie. <laughs> like this is who we funny. are.
2: Yeah. You asked to be us to be on this show, and this is what you're getting. It was, were great. So. it
1: was cool. It was cute. So I definitely recommend you guys go check it out. There's there's so many different people from you know, like the highest end people you could think of down to like very relatable homes that were like you could have bought that home yourself.
2: Let's switch topics here because I'm pretty clued in on names of shows that or on tv streaming or otherwise even if i don't watch them I, I pride myself on on staying up to date on what's on there's something on our list here that i have never heard of called the Murdaw murders who's watching this show and everyone in america
1: everyone we're literally watching parts of it at the gym today
2: Oh man! Yeah, like, how long have I not heard about this show? It's on, a this is a Netflix it's not show. A yeah?
1: Show the like, man's on well, trial currently for killing his oh, wife okay. and, and there are shows. And son. That's
2: why I don't know about it. Yeah, this is so not it's not my cup of tea. It's
1: not a show like it's not like is it going to get a season two kind of show? It's but not a show like there is, that.
2: There's a three
0: part HBO Max documentary. That, that's there, the one we watched. There's one on Hulu and there's one on Netflix coming out this week. And this is happening right
2: now. Oh, this is like a lot like they're almost you like... Can turn on,
0: you can turn on YouTube TV and watch today's trial. Um, highlights from yeah. the trial today. The prosecution closed today. Yeah. <laughs> this is happening right now, but oh, they've now already got silly
2: the... silly checked out that I don't
0: know about <laughs> It's
1: it. okay. It's totally cool, but...
0: The documentaries are already ready is the crazy thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the trial is still actively going on. And <laughs> right. like these documentaries are like done. Like the three-part HBO Max one is like done and out. So listen... This is a crazy, crazy story. You guys go. The, it's only a three-parter. The murder murders that we watched. I thought they did a great job of laying out everything about this family and what you needed to know for the, like the background because it really just brought you to the point of the trial. Yeah, because the trial is actively going on right now and is literally on every station. Like if you are like sitting in a waiting room somewhere. It's on. It's it's on everywhere.
0: It's the Casey Anthony, the OJ, the whatever of the moment right now.
1: For sure. And it's and it's just such a sketchy situation. This father has so many different motives, but at the same time, the actual like the, the wife and the son were shot with two different guns. It's it's all very wild. And of course the guns have not have not been found and
0: imagine, Mike, if the same family the same family patriarch had, had held the DA position in your county since 1920.
2: Oh, my God.
1: Well, that's what's going on. So Murdaws have been the solicitor.
2: They are the law.
1: Mm-hmm. And so they are the law. Both of their sons have had situations where someone died when they're around. And then the father, I mean, just so many, I think it was 70 counts
0: 90 90 counts of fraud.
1: 90 counts of fraud having to do with billing. Mike, you'll appreciate this as a lawyer. You'll love this. Check this shit. He would take on clients, get the multi-million dollar settlement. He would write the check out to Forge, which apparently there's a Forge consulting who actually handles like doing payouts for that kind of thing. But he just would write Forge. And then went to the bank and made an account that said Alex Murda doing business as Forge. And so he was just putting them all in his own bank account. And those none of the clients were ever getting their settlements. So that was 90 counts of fraud for that. But that's unrelated, supposedly, to the death of the child that just, who is 22. Right, and that just his goes wife, to
0: character. Uh, on, on the so, current, track. Call. so
2: you have to take you have to take a couple of classes about not being a bad lawyer and and things that can happen to you. And, and truthfully, there's very little that can get you in trouble as a lawyer. You, you actually there's actually a you could do a lot of things and not get disbarred. <laughs> the one thing you can't do, it's literally the one thing you can't do is steal client money. He uh, literally it's paid really, out like really, really no like one. the only. I mean, it's it, 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 it's a big book of of like model rules of pro- professional. Practice. Let's see where. The this... only thing that'll get you disbarred, though, will be stealing client money. Let's see where
0: this falls on your on your meter. Then the story concocted by HBO Max's documentary team suggests that the Murdoch family needed money, and so they pushed their home their housekeeper down the stairs, cracking her head open and basically killing her right there. In some accidental fashion, they get their friend lawyer to represent that lady's sons in the whatever you need to do in order to claim your, your Basically, insurance it was like money. A,
1: right. It was like they had a homeowner's insurance policy on their house and like their property for several million dollars. It was like four mm. million or something like that. Right. And these this is in South Carolina. So these. So where she fell was down these really big set of staircase that goes up to the front porch. They're like built up off the ground by several feet for flooding because they're all this is in low country in South Carolina.
0: So, yeah, they represent the sons. They they get it. They do get a settlement, but they don't. But Murdaugh and his friend don't tell the sons that anything was settled. It was for like five million dollars. So after whatever fees happened to be taken out there was still like 4 million dollars left to go straight into Murdaugh's personal account.
1: Yeah, like just crazy. Yeah, 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 so that's yeah, but yeah, that's a yeah. third death, Mike. That's not the death with the older boy that he was involved with or the younger boy who was involved with an, another girl's death. Oh, so many. It's so crazy. And the death of the son and the mom is it's so nuts and it was so destructively graphic like i can't even like the the boy was shot with a shotgun at close range it shot off everything but just the like from his eyebrows to his chin like but everything behind that part was gone his brain like went up into the air and like landed back down by his feet it's insane okay it's freaking insane but then the mother is shot with
0: this is the weird part mike is that there were two different long guns used so the the
1: shotgun was was sh-
0: right shotgun with the boy and an ar style rifle with the wife and she was shot in like,
1: like running away like the
0: wrist the leg the back and then finally twice in the head after she was she, she was, was down. like down on
1: the ground super freaking crazy but because of the one boy the boy that got killed in this paul is his name he had been involved in this boating accident where this other teenager died this girl died and so there was all these threats revolving around the boating accident from 2019 that like basically there was going to be some sort of justice because no justice was ever served about that he was that not even nothing happened to him because of that it's just crazy it's fraught with all these weird layers all of this like privilege and it's just nuts so yeah if you guys want to have a good watch and you want to kind of get up to date with what's going on with the trial watch one of these specials that are on like Paul said, Netflix, HBO Max, Hulu. I swear to God I
2: thought you guys were going to say it was something like Father Dowling Mysteries. (laughs) really had no idea. No, you know
1: us better than that. Come on.
2: Hey, <laughs> Tom Bosley was awesome in that show. Yeah, that well, was he, he, sure, week.
1: but we're not watching any of that. Really, I, I mean, you know, this this has got to go probably in our true crime podcast segment sometime because there's Sounds so... Sounds like we got to
2: fire up the RSS feed for the old true crime podcast and get that going.
1: so much, Mike. There's so many layers and, and every part is crazy. Everyone involved from housekeepers to his law partners to his siblings to every everyone's got weird stuff going on
0: Today and yesterday was all about like electronic forensics.
1: Oh my God, did we learn so much.
0: Uh, Dude, (laughs) they can keep track of when your phone changes orientation, even if it's not on.
1: Mike, they did a thing. This part was amazing to me because I put it together before they said it and I felt so proud. I felt like a little Nancy Drew. They did this chart where they, they could show the time and they could show the number of steps that the phone said that you had taken and then do like a how many you know steps did you take in this amount of time like basically your stride and there was like one point which was right after supposedly the time of death where you could see he took like
0: 700 steps
1: 700 steps (laughs) in like eight Minutes or something like that. And I was like, he was running. He was running at that point. But like, I'm like proud of myself. I'm like, he was running. Because he claims he wasn't even at the house at this
0: point. They had like a little spreadsheet where they showed like the steps per minute calculation given the check ins. Oh my God,
1: he was running. And his
0: average was like 20 steps, five steps, three steps, 20 steps, 70 steps. I was like, like, oh, "Um, okay.
1: Yeah. So I felt like I was very much a part of solving the (laughs) mystery. I was like, he was running. Um, I don't know. It's really, really, really crazy. And please, Mike, we forgot the best part, really. After 90 days after the murders of the son <laughs> and the and the wife, he hires, quote, Cousin Eddie to shoot him. So he's driving on the highway and he is shot in the head. And then he, and he claims, like, he tries to act like at first, like, oh, no, this is all, now they're trying to come after him. It was like a hitman kind of thing. But then he just admits it that no, he hired this person.
2: And it just didn't work out.
1: (laughs) It's so crazy.
2: You see why they're rushing to get it on three different networks. Yeah. And it's
1: like actively playing. You can watch the you can watch the everyday tiny courthouse that has like stanchions in front of the door to try to keep people you can hear Away. the traffic
0: going by as it's, it's like so like tricky. like our podcast. you can hear the traffic going by <laughs> that's where they're having the this big trial going it's
1: on so wild. It's so wild. That's crazy. Yes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's
2: still does. some more shows we want to talk about, but I think we should put a pin in them for this week. Let's get on to movie talk because I mean, we've got Picard premiered this Pr- Picard season three premiered. Uh, you've got Kunk on Earth, which I'm dying to talk to you guys about because I found it really funny. There's 1923 season finale coming up next week, so we have stuff. Let's put a pin in that. All that. Let's talk about that next week. I want to get to Marvel talk okay. because it's actually a big week for the MCU. Lots of news coming out. Mandalorian. Three dropped its trailer, Mandalorian Season 3, coming out on March 1st. It was announced this week. They dropped their first long trailer. Uh, Marvels, just today, right before we started recording, was pushed from a summer release to November 10th. Uh, that just came out today, so Brie Larson, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer to see her uh, and uh, all of the Marvels. But... The big news today, opening this weekend, the long-awaited start of Phase Five, Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, comes out this weekend. Paul, yes. you are our man on the spot. You have to give us our first review because critics are panning this movie. It's a hard, It's like a. It's rated rotten on Rotten Tomatoes for the critics, but fans seem to be giving it good scores initially. I'm curious what your in-house take is. I
0: initially saw a lot of comparisons to Star Wars. After seeing it, I can I can understand of that. There's a lot of very similar imagery. It feels like a very tight and compact and compressed amount of story that they told in two hours and five minutes. Well, a lot of superhero movies these days are running well over that. This one told as much as those other stories, but in a much shorter amount of time. And there's a lot that happens, and uh, there's a couple of concepts such as I'm not like the tried and true. I didn't tell you to protect you, kind of kind of thing that gives you the springboard for how Kang <laughs> even kind of came to be in this storyline, and that that kind of wears out its welcome well after it's still being applied. Um, But it is cool to see, like, Michelle Pfeiffer back in superhero mode. Haven't seen that since, like, Catwoman doing her her whatever you might call it. But she's as superheroic as the rest of them in this one. Lots of cool aliens and visuals to see. I would not admit that these are the best visual effects I've ever seen. There are way too many scenes where you're just very aware that we are in a green screen world here because you've seen much better stuff done 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know what the what the deal is for that, but there were there's plenty of charm to it. There's there's some weird jokes, there's like an on like a running like don't be a dick joke, which is kind of catches you off guard because there's not really a lot of language in the movie except for when there is.
1: What kind of age range would you say for this one? Like, is this one you can take like little kids to or, or what's the sitch?
0: There's a big climactic scene that does end with a at least I'm not a dick kind of comment. And if dick talk is OK for your your little one, then then, yeah, you're fine because um, the violence isn't really bloody. I would say there's a couple of good, good smackaroos that that happen, But overall, they're not like that. When the violence happens, it's very science fiction-y, you know, someone kind of poofing into a blue lightning or something like that. So, yeah, I, I, I think whatever age range is normally associated with the MCU is still okay with this one. It's just that it's very fast, very, like, the story moves super fast. And if Cassie had just listened to her dad, everything would have been fine. So as a dad... I'm looking at you, Cassie, for blowing up the MCU this year.
2: I'm I'm nodding my head in cathartic uh, appreciation of that moment. And this is You're the third just Cassie. Listen to your PS. father,
1: <laughs> listen to your father exactly. the two of you guys. <laughs> that might be the name of this podcast. But she <laughs> gets listen all up in father. his
0: ass about not being heroic anymore. And uh and he's like, I hate you know when my
2: kid is in my ass. That's I'm just being
0: a dad here, you yeah, know. Having
1: your kid in your ass is not comfortable.
2: It's not. And she goes and ruins the world, so... Uh, off offhand comment that you mentioned, I have to go back to animal control a second. In the pilot, towards the end of the episode, there is an offhand comment made about believing in Santa Claus, which mm. was so unnecessary. Not that anything horrible is said, but it's the kind of thing where a kid could turn to the parent and be like, "What did he mean by that?" So mm. just just putting you on there, if that is a thing good that warning, you're sensitive to, warning. sensitive to, it made me turn my head. So uh, me and my son are very much into a don't ask, don't tell relationship about Santa Claus these days, As and so. Are
1: we in this house so so i I I don't want any
2: discussion of it being triggered uh (laughs) talk to me about kang because kang is introduced he's played by jonathan matrix he's introduced in loki which was a big mcu tv show hit on disney plus last year i i'm hearing good things about his performance i'm hearing maybe he's the best part of the performance is is he worth going to alone even if you're not necessarily into the ant-man and wasp uh characters
0: Yes. Yes, he's good. He and he is going to be this phase 5 bit baddie um because he he is legion basically. There's not just I don't want to say anymore. But um yeah, he's going to be around for a while as a presence. And he has a full range of of emotion that he that he pulls out of the character. He he you want to know more about why he feels the way he feels maybe he's not quite as compelling as as thanos or at least i found thanos on multiple viewings of of infinity war and endgame i i look forward to seeing more from kang uh and so with that definitely be advised that there
2: are a mid credit and a post credit seen always good to know i that's something i have to google every single time i go to a marvel movie how long am i staying for the credits this so. one is not an ant playing a goddamn drum set this is you actually- know what, I, man. that was worth it for me I, uh listen it's get ant. down with yourself ants i love it yeah. that no when you're when you got a pee and you're like <laughs> no man i just gotta see
0: the thing and then it's an ant playing a drum set no nah. not
1: cool you could have caught that <laughs> later that's funny
2: well, I'm excited for this one. I, I This is the kind of stuff that's going to get me to the theaters. I'm going to go see it next weekend. I will not be seeing it this weekend, but I'm going to see it next weekend with Tom, and I'm very jazzed for it. There's so.
0: some cool previews, too, that, of, of stuff on the very near horizon that looks very watchable,
2: like like I might need to go see it.
1: So, you guys, I'm going to admit to something that's that's embarrassing this week.
2: More than not knowing about the murder murders going on right now, literally as they happen, because so I think that might be embarrassing well, for a lawyer. Maybe to a they bit.
1: got murdered in twenty twenty one. So the trial, Caroline, you're, the you're, trial you're behind, It's happening now. Mike, you're behind by two years, is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm, it's, I'm actually I'm actually worse than I yeah. felt. Okay. No, here's this is an embarrassing thing. Okay, so I watched the movie Fargo, which I loved, and I watched way back in the theater when it came out in the '90s, and it was. A great movie then. It's a great movie now. However, at the very beginning of the movie, it says, this is based on a true story. And I was gobsmacked. At my age now, I was like, I can't believe this whole time. I haven't known that Fargo was a true story. That's crazy. So I watched the whole thing. And I come back and I tell everybody, you guys, you'll never believe it. This was a true story. (laughs) And then I go to my trusty Google. And look it up. And it is number one on every list of movies that faked you out that said they were true. (laughs) With like Blair Witch Project and other ones all listing under it. And I was like, I'm a boob. I'm a walking boob. I cannot believe that I thought that was real. But you guys... It holds up. It is a fantastic movie. There's so few movies that I feel like from you know are you know we we watch Pulp Fiction. We have some some of these you know that stuck with us, but so few actually kind of hung on that still really hold up. And this one does, you guys. It was super good and really short. It was like much quicker than i expected so go on go watch that again you guys if you haven't seen you it. Know, where do. is it
2: is it streaming on any of the services
1: i watched it on how you say an aeroplane so i don't actually know where you can find fargo but uh but go take a look i'm sure you can find it online streaming
0: peter stormare 1923 and fargo he's uh the dead captain in
2: 1923 oh luca rest in peace yeah
0: the dead sea you captain. coughing bastard and uh, he's the psycho killer in, in Fargo. There you
2: go. Kiss, 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 He
0: was the Russian astronaut in Armageddon. No was, one's
1: going to give me any shit about Satan being embarrassed about this true story
2: thing. No, why would we? No. one's going to
1: make fun out of me? Because I thought for sure I was going to be I like, I continue ew, to believe ew. the
2: Blair Witch Project was real <laughs> even after I was told it was fake. I was like... I know they're saying that, but I also think maybe it really was real. So I I... I held on to the Blair Witch Project for months, it being real, even after it was debunked that it was not a real fan I am an audience member
1: who believes you. So if you put it up on the screen at the beginning that says that the names were changed to protect people and this is a true story, I'm going to listen to you.
0: Uh, they really took it the piss out of you, eh? You, you shouldn't watch The Conjuring series then, because
2: that'll fuck you Guess up. Guess
1: what? Uh, that would fuck watch... me up for a lot of reasons. I'm not watching that.
2: You can watch Fargo if you have a Star subscription is available on Star. There you go. All right.
1: Okay, so here is another one that I watched that I think you watched as well, Mike, right? I did, I did. Okay, I did. so this one is called The Menu. You guys, wow. I was taken aback. Now, I am a scare baby, because you brought up The Conjuring, and I can't really do like straight up horror. This was like thriller suspense horror. Like there was a, there was some gore, don't get me wrong, there was some gruesome looking things and whatnot. But it really maintained this like seriousness level that didn't get into that. Like I'm not scared of boogeymans coming from the menu to come get me. Uh but this but the scenario, the setup for the whole thing, oof, it was it was excellent. What did you think, Mike?
2: I loved that. I thought it was a really great premise. I love Ralph Fiennes. I'm a, I'm always a fan when he shows on. I really do see him as Voldemort always, even when he has a nose, like a 3D nose, and not just a snake slit. I still see him as Voldemort. He's great. Uh, I I like uh, Anya uh, Anya Taylor Joy. She's in it. John Leguizamo's in it. Uh, Nicholas Holt is in it. It's it, a great cast. The original premise. Judith
1: Light, dude, freaking Judith, Judith Light is in it? it.
0: She's still the boss.
1: She was not the boss. No. She was not she was the boss. <laughs> she was most decidedly not the boss. She was a bit, a,
2: a bit of a cuck queen, in, in fact. So. <laughs> mm,
1: unfortunately.
2: Unfortunately. But you guys, but, really
1: yeah. twisty, really good. I didn't know exactly what was going to happen at all. I mean, until the last moments of everything, it was like you can't say it's done till it's done because you did not know what was going to happen. It's outrageous. It's it an outrageous is. movie. Yeah,
2: it, It's just like, they're not going to do this thing that I think and they're going like to they do, and then they just do. just did
1: that, and it was ten times worse than I thought it was going to be. And there's a whole aspect to it. If you
2: do like competitive cooking shows, <laughs> I think you're actually going to like a whole aspect of it that maybe is lost on other people.
1: Okay, uh, I see that. I,
2: Yeah. Because I think we get the intensity
1: of the kitchen staff and like and like how much they're like Fall in Dedication line, to yeah. The craft. They're like an army to their head chef, and there's something about the general telling you to do something that you just do without question. And yeah. the things these people do without question boggles the brain. So it was amazing. You guys definitely go check it out. There's
2: a there's a part at the beginning of getting a movie where you think it's going to be like knives out, glass onion, but then it goes off into this outrageous horror film. Aspect to it, but again, not scary like it's going to keep you up and have, give you nightmares. But dev- a horror movie, it's it's undeniably a horror movie. Okay, but I, I it's, would say
1: thriller suspense for me. Thriller because- suspense
2: more than well, horror. And there's
1: some gore. Wasn't
0: well, it sold as as like a satire? So that so that it's it's definitely like a what would you call
1: it?
2: Well, there's a whole classism thing. It's taking on classism and and entitlements, it could be, like, and in
1: the it could but be... a heightened
2: sense
0: of reality where you're not going to think you're going to f- go to this exclusive island. No, this... right. yeah, no, no, no.
1: Th- you would never be in this situation. Right. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not scared that anyone from that movie is coming to get me. Like, it's not like that. It's not that type of horror. It's a it's a whole. It's so absurd and like Mike said, so mm. outrageous that it's just it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah, but totally worth a watch. It's on HBO Max. Uh, you can uh, you can go grab it there. Uh, it was in the theaters in 2022. It it, it was nominated. I, I can't remember if it won some Golden Globes. It was not nominated for any Oscars, but uh, still definitely worth a watch. It was a uh, it was a fun fun two hours. Looks so. like
0: one of those um, pandemic era scripts where they needed to keep the the cast and the set and everything super small, so they could just kind of like the the outfit.
2: You know,
1: they, yeah, the whole there, thing takes a, place in one
2: room. There's a claustrophobic aspect to it. in the fact that they do stay literally almost in one room, the entire movie, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a little bit of claustrophobia even to it. If 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 that's going to be a trigger for you, that's definitely going to heighten the experience. I think
1: glass onion is probably a really good comparison in a lot of ways.
2: Uh, yeah, as, as the goofy mystery kind of satire yeah. cousin to it, yeah. Mm. But things that wouldn't happen to you unless you were super rich and got invited to a super exclusive island.
1: Right. So. right. What was the name of that one? I want to say it was like Hide and Seek or something. What was that one where the girl goes to the dinner party and then she ends up being like the... It was a couple years back. Oh, uh,
2: yes, yes, yes. Where they're that... all going
1: to like go hunt her or whatever. You know, like, this is totally surreal. You're never going to be having these same circumstances but it's all crazy
2: ready or not that's what it was Tamara Ween was great and I had never seen her before and she really impressed me in that movie she's the she's the one invited to the fiance's house and then they hunt her but uh, yeah ready or not uh, actually but good comparison uh, except for in a house instead of on an island but uh, I would go watch that one too I like that movie so.
1: so this week you guys we have an extra special music segment for you
2: musical guest <laughs> Billy
1: Joel <laughs> nice <laughs> I don't know if it's all like that, but okay. (laughs) So you got a chance to go to the Billy Joel concert
2: at the Garden. Billy Joel has been doing a residency now for several years at the Garden, basically where he plays once a month, unless he's doing some other tour stop somewhere in the world. He basically plays once a month at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I am a huge Billy Joel fan. He is uh, hands down and by far my favorite uh, singer singer-songwriter. Led Zeppelin's my favorite band. Billy Joel is my favorite solo artist. So I was super jazzed to see him. I've seen him a lot, but I haven't seen him in a long time. It's been years and years and years since I've seen him in concert. So it was great to kind of see him again. I thought he was great. I, he he still sounds great. He has this real grandpa energy about him, like feisty grandpa kind of energy about him. And it's two and a half hours, almost three hours of his greatest hits put together with some covers that him and the band like to do put together with a couple of like deep cuts that like the real fans get like he plays fantasy uh, he played fantasy in his concert which is not something he plays all the time and it's kind of a deep cut if you just know him from the radio you probably don't know this one but I love it I you know so it was great it was a really great time if you have the opportunity to and you are remotely familiar with Billy Joel you're gonna have a good time the the crowd energy is infectious everyone is singing the entire Time, you're going to know three. Qu- even if you're not a Billy Joel fan, if you listen to the radio regularly in the last thirty years, forty years, you're going to know a lot of the songs. Probably three quarters of the songs you would have heard at least once on the radio, and you'll be able to move along with. And the crowd energy will sweep you up. Uh, it, it's it's an experience. It's not. It's not something that's inaccessible. You, you may not have heard of any Billy Joel songs, and I think you're walking out of there having had a good time.
1: Can he still hit all the notes? He's got some pretty high ones on some of those songs.
2: Uh, he does. He, he has this like fun thing before he does a Believe It's Innocent Man. He has this little uh you know, let me be frank conversation with the audience. There's some high notes of the song. He doesn't necessarily hit them as well as he used to. I know you'll boo me if I don't hit them. Oh, I, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very self-deprecating. He's like, I'm going to do my best. I'm up here. I'm trying to do my best. I can you guys let me know what you think. And of course, mm-hmm. he doesn't quite he doesn't hit it perfectly, but he hits it pretty freaking close for a guy who's in his 70s. And the crowd goes nuts because, on top of the fact he knows what he's doing, he's self-deprecating. Right. He's, he's already totally putting set us in. It up, right, and, right. Unless he just took a shit on the stage when he goes to hit it, people are going to be like, "You're amazing!" And you know what? He is amazing. So, you know, take your flowers, Billy. You uh, know, we we so. saw uh, Aerosmith
0: a few years ago, and uh, there's a moment when they, you know, they introduced the band, including the the people that don't make the album cover you know the keyboards or the percussion yeah. or whatever and he steven tyler said something to the effect the keyboard or more like the synthesizer guy t- that said something like and he's the guy that makes sure i still sound like me or something like that that That's let really us know funny. he's totally sampled into the keyboard for those notes that he can't hit anymore So that the still sounds like
2: the album. Kind of amazing, huh? Technology does a lot of heavy work.
1: You know, but I give credit to these guys who are still out there. They're still doing it. You know,
2: Orthopedic shoes, but he was still out there. Oh my god! I mean, Billy Billy Joel had this great riff. uh, One of the early songs he did. They did a cover of of uh, Start Me Up. Uh, by the stones. And he's, he said before he's like, I'm no Mick Jagger. And then literally throughout the entire song, it's one of the, one of the few songs he's not at the piano for. He's standing at the mic and he's doing all the Mick Jagger moves with his hands, you know, out to the sides (laughs) and doing duck walks. And yeah, the chicken move. And he's, (laughs) he's bobbing his head and pursing his lips. He's really playing to the crowd. And it was great. And then he sounded great. He's got a great band with him. A lot of the guys, unless they've died, almost the entire band since the late seventies, early eighties is still playing with him. Uh, They're only, only one Notable person has left the band who is still alive. Uh, that's his former drummer, Liberty DeVito. Um, but otherwise, the rest of the band has basically been with him forever, or is newish and really fits into the groove. And he spreads it around. Uh, there were they did two different uh, Led Zeppelin songs, and as well as a. Uh, Puccini aria, tenor aria, and the one guy who plays guitar, his name is Mike, not me. You know, he sang all three of the songs and did a wonderful job. Uh, the, the backup singer that they have who's also playing on some percussion instruments, she got a couple of songs. Sounds fantastic. Like he really spreads it around. He always credits the soloists with their name. It's just a fun time. It's like being at a party with some really cool guys that definitely probably drink a lot of beer before and afterwards. And, uh, you know, just, just trying to still get it done in their later years. So, it's a great I, job. It's great. I mean,
0: you mean I don't have to learn any more songs and I still get to work? Sign me up.
1: Well, and there's something, I mean, we've seen a couple of people who have residencies at, in Vegas, and there's something about the bands who do that where. They're so comfortable, like they're so relaxed in their environment. You don't get that same sense of, of like a touring band like I just came to this city for one night and then we're getting out of here in two minutes. They're, it's like they're so much more relaxed and it's mm. like you're in their living room with them because they do this all the time. So I feel like I love residencies because it's it's a whole different vibe. It's like welcome to my house.
2: I mean River of Dreams was Billy Joel's last rock album he put out and this August will be the 30th anniversary of that album coming out. He hasn't put out a brand new rock song. He ha- he has he has a classical album, I believe a double album he put out around the turn of the around the turn of the millennium. Um but rock albums he hasn't put out a new song since 1993 and he doesn't have to. He's he's got he's got hundreds of songs he can draw from going back to 71 uh Cold Spring Harbor and that's fine because because he has so many identifiable hits and he has so many deep cut songs that weren't big radio hits that the fans appreciate that they they uh, that they long to hear in concert and hear live he doesn't alter a lot of the songs either so a lot of the songs sound exactly like they sounded on the album except for a certain few that he always fudges with so like when he does river of dreams uh, if you know the song there's an aspect to the song where uh, before they get to the chorus the beat gets longer and longer. The pause gets longer and longer every time they approach it in the song. The Before the third one, he always goes, the band always goes into another song. They riff on it for a minute or two and then they come back and end River of Dreams. So like, he's got these things where there are certain songs he does futs with but he always does it in a reliable way. So it's a great combination of a live experience together with songs that are played exactly like they are in the album so you could sing along to them. He's really got the whole formula down. It's a great time. Go see Billy joel throw him all your money he needs it uh, you know so he's got a lot of ex-wives and he's you know he's got shit to pay so uh yeah
1: <laughs> well that's going to take the place of our book talk for this week so listeners we want to know what are you guys watching talk to us and and tell us anything that you want us to be watching if you want some feedback on
0: i saw something um the 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 money train for westworld continues I didn't realize that the costs for expensive shows like that are amort- amortized over time. Not only is it that they have to pay the contracts for the lead actors that are that they that were committed to a season five, but apparently they're still having to pay for the production of seasons past without new wow. n- new
2: show to promote. Wow. So yeah. Sadly, we lost another icon this week. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about celebrity deaths, uh, and there were a lot. A few weeks ago, this week, we lost Raquel Welch, who was only 82. I feel like she had to have been older. Um, But, I mean, a bombshell from a golden era of Hollywood, gone. Uh, Paul, you pointed out, I think it was you pointed out, that Josh Holloway and J.J. Abrams are having a reunion for a new show. Uh, What do you you know about this show, Duster? I
0: don't know anything about this show except... I know that J.J. Abrams has not had any luck since Rise of Skywalker. He's had things get just tossed out, out of development, out of deals. Just nothing is working for J.J. right now.
2: Well, which is crazy because he's got the nine-figure deal with Warner Media, which he signed in 2018. And this is going to be the first project that actually comes to fruition from that deal it's four years old now he's proposed a bunch of shows a movie and it's all been canned. and uh, this one is the one that's finally going to go they haven't said whether or not his
0: black superman show or movie is going to happen but I mean, with
2: with, yeah, I imagine with the with the shift in balance of power in the DCU, I I think that's probably not going to see the light of day. That would be my guess. Right. Um, Because you would think Gunn would have mentioned J.J. Abrams being on board. I think so. Right. And then similarly with Josh Holloway, he's
0: he's been a leading man in need of a leading role since Colony ended quite a while ago now. And so I'm, right. I, I'm excited to see him back. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's been like a shortage of, of suitable projects or roles or or what, but uh, I'm glad to see him back. I don't know that he's like the lead, but he is the, kind of maybe the biggest name of those Mentioned.
2: So So it looks like I, I did a little bit of research into it after I saw you put it on the list. So Rachel Hilson was actually added to the cast this week. People will know her from Love Victor, and she was also on This Is Us. The show is going to follow her. It looks like she's actually the lead. Okay. Uh, it's uh, set in 1972. It's a it's a period drama 1972 in the Southwest. It follows the first black female FBI agent that's Hilson, as she recruits a gutsy getaway driver that's Holloway to take down a crime syndicate among other co-stars named Keith David who I'm a huge fan of is also announced to be in the cast. So, I don't know. I mean, J.J., people people forget that J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot were involved in Lost, uh, actively involved in the beginning of that series. Um, and so, it's a nice little reunion for those two. And then we get to see Rachel Hilson, too, and see what she can do. So, I love a good period drama. But that alone, Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams is one of those people that I will always initially watch anything he does. There are a couple of those super producers and showrunners that... I just like what they do. So I'm always willing to give it a chance. Uh, So, yeah. And Josh Holloway is, you know, he's he's always fun to watch on TV. Uh,
0: Westworld was also a a bad robot. They had a part in it. I don't know that they were like the big deal, but they had a part in it. So, yeah, when I when I say JJ has not had a good run since Rise of Skywalker, I'm including that, too.
1: For you guys who are thinking, who did Rachel Hilson play on This Is Us? She played Teenage Beth, like when she was like the young ballerina. That's Rachel. Uh. So she was wonderful. She was wonderful and she's beautiful and a great actress. So that that'll be a really fascinating combination with her and Josh.
2: Uh, we mentioned that Mandalorian got its season three release date. We were mentioned that earlier. It'll be out on March 1st. Also announced, people were very excited. Ted Lasso's season three uh, premiere was announced for this week. It'll premiere on March 15th, and that's going to be a 12 episode season that will take it all the way to the very end of May. I think around May 31st will be the season finale. So you'll be spending your spring with Ted Lasso and the if, Mandalorian.
0: If you we are. Need
1: that, we need some Ted.
0: If you watched Mandalorian but decided not to watch Book of Boba Fett, or maybe you watched the first episode of the book of Boba Fett we were like, I don't like this. You probably need to watch the last two episodes of the book of Boba Fett so that you can be ready for the beginning of The Mandalorian because stuff changes
2: in The Mandalorian story. Boba Fett, the, the back end of Boba Fett really acted like a season 2B of The Mandalorian, honestly. Yes, so yeah. which which was not a bad thing. I mean, I think that actually helped that show. It helped me finish that show anyway. So I'm ready for I'm ready for more for more baby Yoda. So let's, let's go. go, the go, go. It's the baby Yodas. Another a couple of more renewal news this week. I think that's actually how we're pretty much wrapping this up. Poker Face, that show that I have only gotten 15 minutes into on Peacock. I think two weeks ago I said I was going to give it a go. I have made it 15 minutes in.
1: Oh, no. Was it did it not suck you in or did you just run out of time?
2: I ran out of time, but I could have pushed it. But it hadn't sucked me in yet to make okay. the time to watch it. I will finish it. I will I will at least finish the first episode. Um but yeah, it didn't immediately bowl me over. Natasha Leone is doing a heavy accent and uh who's the big nose guy? He was he did the uh Stephen King uh uh, uh Salem's lot adaptation. Oh fuck, I'm blinking on his name.
0: Salem's Lot adaptation.
2: Yeah, I remember you watched a little bit. It was on AMC I think Shit, he's got the giant nose.
0: (laughs) I mean, the Salem's Lot that's out came out in the 70s. You don't mean that, do you?
2: No, 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 no. They're Uh, coming out with a new one. Is that what you mean? Nope. (laughs) It was the one that was based... On, um, is
1: Natasha Leone?
2: Oh, 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 Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody. It's so Adrian Brody's in it, which I didn't realize. He's the yes, the (laughs) Adrian Brody and his nose. Um, they're in it. Uh, Natasha Leone, yeah. So I got, I'm gonna watch the first episode.
1: Clarification is Natasha Leone doing her normal accent? It's just thick, or she's doing a different accent than her own.
2: I don't think she's doing her or I think she's doing maybe a heightened version of her own.
1: Okay. Because she always kind of does the heightened version of her own. I
2: guess, but it's even more so. Maybe I just haven't watched her recently, but it's even more than like the orange is the new black. Like you know, where she's kinda of like hey, eh, 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 eh. Yeah, it's kinda like that. But smoker, it's even really, more it's yeah. even more though. It's, it's 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 like it's like Adrian Brody's nose. It's it's oh, it's God, its I own know. character in the show. Um yeah, so that's funny. Uh, Anyway, renewed for season two. So, I mean, I'm probably going to watch it because at least it'll be many episodes of content that I know won't be canceled and make me cry.
1: Well, you guys, this was another amazing week of TV and movies. We did music instead of books this week. So we definitely look forward to having you guys back. But please let us know what you guys are watching. We're super curious. and We want to keep up with you guys and converse with you. Come check us out over on some of the Facebook groups. Come check us out over on Twitter. Pod Clubhouse everywhere. This is Caroline.
2: This is Paul. And this is Mike, and Chapelweight was the Salem's Lot adaptation. Get out of here with Thank you. Yes, that's right. We're
1: over. We're done. You can't stay here.
2: Mike's Thank like you us. for listening Will to the me Pop me Culture retort. Review Podcast.
1: What the hell was that? Hell is that?
2: Is that's Mike. Well, allow me to retort. <laughs> thank you for listening to the pop culture review podcast if you wouldn't mind heading over to apple Podcasts, spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe while you're there please leave us a five-star review it helps us not talk about adrian brody's nose uh because i don't want to do that anymore that makes me sad
1: say what again say what again i dare you i double dare you motherfucker say what one more goddamn time thanks for listening
2: thank you for listening